What is up, Pickleheads? Super excited to have you today. Today, as the caption says, we're going to be talking about letting out balls go out, which I feel like is something that a lot of players struggle with, myself included, Spencer included, most players included. And uh, we're just going to give you guys some tips and strategies to be able to help you overcome it and also some ideas of things that you can do to recognize when a ball is going to most likely be going out. So Spencer, turn the time over to you. What's up? Hey, what's going on? Yeah. I mean, if it's high, let it fly. And we'll talk about why that's important today too. I think uh, skill level can be determined pretty easily. Like just going out and playing someone just randomly at, at the park or whatever. Uh, you can tell their skill level pretty quick by whether or not they're hitting out balls. Um, you know, speed up some high ones to them and, and see, oh, yeah, they're trying to attack each one of those. It's like uh, their skill levels may be a little bit lower. So to improve that skill level, we want to be able to let out balls go out. That's the simplest way to win the point. And uh, it does hurt every once in a while to let an out ball go and all of a sudden it lands an inch in. But I think a lot more often than not, when you're letting an out ball go, it is going out. So it's it's worth that little bit of risk that you're taking, uh, you know, to let it go. Yeah. But, uh, Oz, let's talk about how to recognize when a ball is going out. And the first, the first point I want to talk about is height, ball height. I would say if anything is coming at you that's not the slowest pace ball in the world, just has a little bit of speed on it, but anything that's coming at you that's higher than your shoulders – and above, I mean, that's kind of my rule of thumb most often, that ball's probably going out. Um, what what measurement do you use, Oz? Like, do you say shoulder? And, and I guess we can combine height and speed at the same time. It's got a little bit of pace on it or a lot of pace on it, and that thing is like above your shoulders. That ball is probably going out. But how do you yeah. determine based on height? Yeah, I'm the same. The only difference is is if it has arch on it. So if they're hitting a lob, obviously that doesn't count. So if I can recognize that the lob, obviously that's going to be above my shoulder. But what we're talking about is not a lob. They speed up the ball. It's got some pace on it. Anything that's about shoulder height, even chest height, try and get out of the way. And the best way to learn, like Spencer was saying, is trial and error, especially while you're drilling. Typically in a rec game, you can practice too and you'll be fine with, but as soon as you get into a tournament, then it's like, if you don't know if the ball is going to be going in or out, best judgment call is just to hit it, I would say. But when you're drilling or in a rec game, that's the best time to practice and recognize and figure out if a ball is going out. So let a couple go, maybe that are chest high or shoulder high. And if they one lands and then the other two don't, then you can kind of get a gauge for yourself because everybody's a different height, right? Right. Spencer, Spencer's five, eight, right? Spence uh, on a good day. Yeah. With my five, eight on. with some shoes on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm six, I'm six, one with some shoes on with some thick shoes. So for me, it's like, it's chest height. Maybe for Spencer, it's more so shoulder height. So you kind of have to figure it out for you, but that just comes from playing and drilling. What do you think about that? No, that's a really good point too. I'm I'm used to, (laughs) I'm used to my height, which is like five foot seven and five eights. You know what I mean? And it's like, 
what's funny is I always used to tell people growing up that I'm five eight, and then I got measured the other day when we, when our family was together, and <laughs> and there, and I saw the the tape where they marked it, and it's just like just below five eight. So anyway, either I'm shrinking or I was trying to get a little bit taller than I was, but anyway, we'll say five eight. Yeah. So that is a really good point. I mean, I guess I don't think about people that are taller. If if you're real tall, especially, um, you know, anyone that's real tall, it, it could be chest height. If you're extremely tall, you know, if you're John Isner or, you know, like, like we talked about the other week, you're Dirk Nowinski, then, then yeah, it's going to be at your navel when it's going out. But um, literally though. Yeah. <laughs> But for the most part, somewhere around chest or shoulder, depending on your height. But the best way to practice that would be during rec games. Who cares if you lose a few points in your rec games? You just improved your game by being able to figure out what balls are in and what balls are and what balls are going out. Um, yeah, when I so, was first when yeah, I first ahead. started playing, I played with some former pro players. Yeah, it's this guy named Mason Ford, and I think Spencer knows him, but he used to play pro all the time and then he went to school, became an accountant. But he would beat all of these top pros. Like, if you go look back in tournaments, him and a guy named Eric Gubler, uh, they would play against Chuck Taylor. Yeah, Chuck Taylor, Tyler Loon. Every time, it would be like in the finals against these guys, and they would win. So they were really, really good players. Wow. And they're kind of how, who I started playing with to really learn and, like, progress my game. And... I was asking him, like, hey, what do you do when the person speeds it up? And he's the one that taught me, like, just let it go out. And he gets out of the way on more balls that go in than anybody else that I've seen. But he also <laughs> gets out of the way on more balls that go out than anybody else I've seen. Right. So it's like a trade-off. But I think that's honestly the way to go is just getting out of the way. And you're going you're gonna to make some mistakes on some, but at least you got out of the way. And for the most part, that's in rec games. So... As for tournament play, he doesn't play in many tournaments anymore, so I haven't really seen that. But I'd say he gets out of the way of balls more that are going out, and that's just come from experience. And, yeah, so just mess up a little bit. Get out of the way a couple of times where it's five feet in and then kind of judge based off of the gauge, based off of height, and then based off of what works for you. Maybe you're five foot four, so maybe it's head height. Mm -hmm. So it just all depends on, on that, but. Yeah, it's like, would you rather learn your lesson playing rec where it doesn't really matter? Or you're so focused on your rec play that you don't want to lose a point, you don't learn it there, and then you get to the tournament and you're like, okay, I can't recognize when a ball is in or out because I didn't practice it when I was playing rec or I didn't drill right. it beforehand. I'd much rather learn my lesson in drilling and playing rec than not figuring it out and going into a tournament like, oh, man. I'm hitting so many out balls here when I could have practiced that beforehand. Exactly. Um, yeah, you so pay for it. Another way to recognize, so we, we talk about height, we talk about speed. Even if that ball is a little bit lower, I mean, lots of drives. If people are really driving the ball hard, and I've played against some of those, we like to call them bangers. Um, so lots of those balls are going out too. Um, and the only way to recognize that those balls are going out, even though it's at your, you know, say it's at your navel area, but it's just coming with so much pace, there's no way it's landing in the court. Only way to recognize that and to learn that skill of letting it go is to do it in rec and to do it when you're drilling and let some of those go. 
let a few go and then maybe hey they got so much spin on the ball that some of these are coming in okay fine well i mean what did you lose by by letting the ball go all, all you I, I would say you gained something you were understanding what's going in and what's going out but anyway yeah. height you lost speed you lost the match you lost the match but you gained some knowledge <laughs> yeah hopefully you didn't lose the match but I mean, it's going to happen a couple of times where it's just like, okay, it was blatantly in. But that's a lot better than you hitting a ball that's going blatantly out. And your partner's like, out, out, out. One one thing before you move on to speed that's not on this list is spin, is what I'd say. So a lot of players will, if you speed the ball up to them or you guys are in a hand battle together, some players you'll notice will be hitting a different spin than, than other players. Some players will be hitting topspin, coming over the ball, brushing up on the ball, and some players will be hitting underspin, and some will just be coming straight through. So your straight shooters or your underspin, underspin is going to make the ball float because it's putting backspin on it, and so slowly that ball will float. If they're just straight-up straight shooters coming straight through the ball, then that's going to create no spin, so it's not going to go up or down. It's just going to go straight. If they're creating topspin, that's where it gets a bit sketchy with letting a ball go because who knows if that ball could drop. And so it comes down to who is this player? Have I ever played them before? Let's see their speed up. Let's let a couple go and see kind of what happens. But you'll see with some players, if they're cutting under the ball, if you get out of the way, that thing is like a flying saucer and will shoot out a lot of the time. Maybe it might even be just a couple inches out. But definitely if it's shoulder height for... Spencer and if it's chest height for me and they're hitting underspin or just coming flat through the ball that thing's going out 100% because it has no drop on the ball so recognize the spin as well no that's that's a great point so height speed spin is another important one you can you can watch your opponents but again I would suggest going out and drilling with someone drill these different things like, hey, why don't you why don't you try a bunch of top spin drives to me so that I can start to recognize what's in and what's out? Hey, why don't you hit some flatter balls to me so I can recognize? You know, how about try trying hitting some underspin to me so I can recognize those? And then you do the same for whoever you're training with, um, and it'll benefit your game a ton. Yeah. Uh, another point, Oz. Let's talk about how to how to recognize another way to recognize if a ball is going out. I learned this from Colin Johns, one of the best in the world. He, uh, he will look at the backswing of the opponent, especially when they're at the kitchen line. If someone has a huge backswing at the kitchen line, you know, that means they're going to put some pace on the ball he knows to get out of the way and he will call it off or call off his brother who he plays with. He will call him off and call it out well before, sometimes before the opponent even hits the ball or right as they're, you know, right after they hit the ball because he can see that huge backswing that they're making uh, in order to contact the ball. So another way to recognize an out ball is if someone is standing at the kitchen line, the ball is fairly low and they're putting a huge backswing on it to attack that ball is most likely going out. What's your opinion on that, Oz? Yeah, depends on the trajectory of the ball. So like you said right at the end there, if the ball is low or even net height and they put a big swing, they have a big swing going on, 100% it's going out. Yeah. Unless they don't actually hit it hard. 
But if they put a big swing and then do like a little push, then you, you're there to put it away anyway. And then if the ball is super high above the net or even slightly high above the net and they do a big, huge swing, then you need to back up, honestly, if you can, if you have time, or stay back and just be ready for them to hit a drop. Maybe they'll hit, hit a drop. But if the ball is high above the net and they're a decent player, decent enough, they should be able to hit that in with some topspin. Mm-hmm. And it should be a deep, great shot. So, yeah, like you were saying, it just comes down to height of the ball. And uh, not to change subjects here, but but kind of related to that, uh, I have a video coming out this week that I made for us on, on Picklehead Instagram page, and it's going to explain wind-up dinks uh, because you just mentioned that. What a wind-up dink is is when someone does like a full backswing when they're at the kitchen line, and then at the last second, they end up hitting a soft dink. So they take the pace off. You know, they kind of stop their motion right at the end. So unless they're doing that, which is really rare, it takes talent to do that. Unless they're, you know, faking that they're going to speed up. If they're speeding up from low, uh, just let that ball, ball fly. But yeah, check us out on Instagram. That, that'll that come out this week and I'll kind of explain what the wind-up dink is and how how it works, how it can be effective because your opponent thinks, wow, they're going to hit an out ball. Hey, let's... Really quick, just go into a speed up, too. Yeah. Because Spencer just barely posted a video on Picklehead of him doing a windshield wiper speed up, which is kind of what you'll see from someone like the guy that split steps a lot, James Ignatowicz. Couldn't think of his name for some reason. (laughs) You got it. But if you guys go check that video out, super beneficial. Spencer's form on it is absolutely perfect, too. And it looks like, yeah. It looks like James Ignatowicz and what he would do. But what it does is you're essentially like a windshield wiper. You're going side to side. You could do it on your backhand side or on your forehand side. Mm -hmm. But essentially what it is is you don't have that big, huge wind up. All you have is you're coming to the ball just like you're going to dink it. And then you flick that wrist really quick. And what it's creating is topspin over the ball. Plus, you're getting a ton of pace on the ball because of the rate at which you're hitting that ball. So you're kind of uh, deceiving your opponent by not having a huge backswing and then still being able to hit that ball super hard. And yeah, some of the best players that I know that have that, they just have no backswing and then all of a sudden they just flick that wrist really, really quick, create that windshield wiper motion. And you can get some crazy pace on it after you build that muscle and just practice, practice, practice hitting it, even when the ball is below the net. So that's a great alternative. I'm not the the biggest fan of a huge backswing and then doing something soft because it's like, well, if you have a huge backswing, then I'm ready for a counter. And then let's say you do it soft. I'm already up at the kitchen, right. so I don't really see the, the benefit of it. But at the same time, I've seen Ben Johns do that when he's playing – like in the first round against some 5-0-ish players that made it into the qualies. Yeah. So I don't know if he necessarily does it when he's playing against better play, better players because it doesn't really do anything benefits-wise, I, I would say. But it could be something if your opponents are back, you have a big backswing, and then you hit a drop shot, and then they have to run up to the net. Maybe they don't get to it. But what do you think are the benefits of it, Spence? I think it's one of those things where it can only be used like once in a match. 
And then you gotta be you gotta be real good with placement on your dink. So if you're dinking at the kitchen and then you wind up, then your placement when you slow down on the dink needs to be you know farther out wide or somewhere where the opponent is not. Otherwise, I mean they're gonna right. be completely ready for it. Um, but it can't be used too often. Um, otherwise, they they will be ready for it. And then back on the other on the windshield wiper speed up. Um, I'm using more wrist when I do that than anything else. But that one, the best part about that shot is, like you said, it's a disguise. You're able to dink, dink, dink. And then the only additional motion that you do is kind of flip your wrist over. And it almost looks like you're going to dink again. So it's hard for them to see that speed up. And then all of a sudden you put pace on it. And you put top spin on it so the ball's still landing in. So they end up letting it go because they're not they're not ready for it or they, they think it's going to go out. Yeah, and you just brought to my memory, I guess, here are the reasons that you would do that big backswing other than when your opponents are back, mm-hmm. is you get a big, huge forehand in the middle. So it's a high ball in the middle. Everybody's up at the net. Big backswing, like you're going to smash it down the middle. So you're going to turn your hips towards the middle of the court because that's where everybody's going to think you're going. And then you slide it out wide with a soft dink. Or vice versa, if you're on the line, act like you're going down the line. And then you dink it soft up the middle. Or you just hit it. But I guess those are some some times that you could do that when you have that big, huge backswing dink. What did you call it, Spencer? A wind-up dink. A wind-up dink. A wine-bock dink. (laughs) Yeah, because I like to... Not all wine-bock dink, but... (laughs) I like to, uh, um, there's a lot of different types of dinks that people can hit. So this will be dink variations part three on Instagram for Picklehead. Um, check out, you can check out parts one and two also and see all the different kind of dinks that you can hit. Why some are good, why, why maybe you wouldn't use others, but they're, they're available to you. Uh, summer last resort. But anyway, it's fun to talk about all the different kinds of dinks instead of just thinking a dink is a dink. There's there's a lot of different uh, variations to it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, if you're unsure, back to about back to letting balls letting out balls go. If you're unsure if a ball is in or out, uh, you've probably heard bounce it from your opponent. Um, that I think that kind of comes from tennis. That's where I first learned that, and all that means is, hey, we're unsure about this ball if it's in or out. So let's run back, let the ball bounce. If it bounces out, we win the point. If it bounces in, now we're ready for it to hit it. Um, So we didn't necessarily let the ball go. So anytime you want to call bounce it, in other words, telling your partner, hey, that ball might land in, but be aware it might land out. Just be ready for it after it bounces. then then your partner can be can be uh, more prepared for that so that's a that's a two-way street you need to be the one to let your partner know because you can see the angle bounce it like it's looking like it's probably going to land inside the baseline or right at the baseline or or you can say um you know nothing at all let them hit it or your your other option is out when you know for sure it's out for your partner but again the two-way street is your partner also has to do the same for you. And you got to be willing to listen to your partner. That's always been a huge struggle for me. I'm going to ask you for some advice in just a second, Austin. 
But with any partner that I've played with, sometimes I don't know if the trust isn't there or if my brain doesn't click in fast enough. But sometimes when I hear out and it's a close ball, I hit it anyway instead of listening to my partner. So maybe what's something that that I can do or anyone that's struggling with with that can do us to to kind of pay more attention to listen to your partner if they say it's out and to be more trusting and just quickly just listen to them and let it go out. Yeah, I think there's a balance because I was playing wrecked this morning and um there was one experience that I had where my partner said out out out, but it's like 100% I knew that the ball was going in, so I swung yeah. away, and we won the point anyway. But, like, that's where the balance is, where it's like you know that the ball is going in. Like, I, I was standing midcourt, and the ball was traveling downward to my paddle, right? It had no pace on it, and he's saying out, and I'm like, I'm sorry, there's no chance that's out, and I swung away. Yeah. And then my partner was just like, okay. Like, we won the point anyway, but I'm like, I should have just let it bounce and then just kind of shown them, hey, like that ball was definitely going in just so that they know. But then it's like we lose the point. So, yeah, you have to trust your partner. But at the same time, I'm kind of with you on the fact of if you know for a fact it's going in, hit it. Because that was just like factual. It was going to be a foot in. It was kind of a weird one. Um, But at the same time, it's like, obviously I make mistakes too where I might think it was going in and then I let it go and it goes out or something like that Mm -hmm. or, or vice versa with my, with my partner. But I don't know. I don't really have a standpoint on it. It's just, you need to trust your partner, but at the same time you need to trust yourself even more is what I would say. Yeah. But, but we could narrow that down to basically like my wife says, I just need to be a better listener. uh, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but but to add to yours even slightly, if you're unsure whether it's in or out and your partner says your partner says it's out, but you have an easy overhead, if you have an easy overhead and you're unsure whether or not it's in or out, I say smack the crap out of that ball. Yeah. If it's close, if you think uh, maybe it'll land in, maybe it'll land out, and you have an easy opportunity to smash it, smash it. But if, you know... If you think it's way out, obviously, let it go out. Or if you're unsure whether it's in or out, so you think, okay, that ball might go out, and you have a difficult shot getting to it, maybe let it fly. What do you think there? Yeah. I, I'm I'm absolutely with you. If it's an overhead, especially if you can for sure put it away and you're not quite sure your your partner's saying, out, 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 hit that thing. And put it away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because you have the angle. Obviously, it's going wide if it's a good overhead. If it's going long, don't hit it. But this would be an, an opportunity where you're both at the kitchen and it'd have to be going wide. So you have your outside angle, you have your middle, or you could go down the line. And one, one really quick thing is if you guys are on the baseline, I know this has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but if you guys are on the baseline and you're trying to stay in the point, your opponents are hitting overheads at you, mm-hmm. where should you be hitting your lobs to that you're barely getting to? What would you say, Spencer? Go again. Sorry. Say that one more time. Where would you be hitting your lobs if you're staying in a point? Where would you be hitting your lobs to keep staying in the point? 
Are we at the kitchen line or are we deep in the court? Oh, so someone, just to, well, we're playing defense and we're way deep, right? They just right. keep smashing it at us? Yes. Uh, if I'm going to hit a lob, uh, I guess we want to stay away from the forehand in the in the middle. So if I'm playing left side, I'm probably going to lob down the line-ish. Um, somewhere where they can't get a big forehand on it. If I'm playing right side, maybe the same thing. Uh, I'm not sure. You tell me. I typically, yeah, so that's... I guess I should say first, I'd, I typically don't lob in that situation um, unless it, like I absolutely have to. I'll typically just try to get it back any way that I can. I, have, exactly, I don't, yeah. don't have a lot of experience lobbying in that situation, but a lot of pros do and they're successful at it. But was I was I close in my answer or way off? Yeah, so not necessarily a, a hitting a lob, but it's like you're in defense mode. They're hitting overheads at you, right? So they hit an overhead out wide, an overhead up the middle. You're just barely getting to these balls. You're trying to stay in the point. So you're mm -hmm. not going to hit a perfect drop. This wouldn't be a time when they hit a 100-mile-an-hour ball at you that you're like, I'm going to hit this perfect drop <laughs> right over the net because you're right. going to hit it into the net or you're going to hit it right to the strike zone. Right. So this is like balls that you're barely getting to. So you're trying, trying to stay in the point. So everybody thinks, okay, I want to go at my opponent's backhand. I'd want to go down the line, something like that. Where you actually want to go is right in the middle of the court. And you want to try to keep it low if possible, but right in the middle of the court. Because if you go stand in the middle of the court, right at the T is what it would be called. It's like it makes a T right at the kitchen line all the way down the center the center line where they lose their go, angle yeah it, they lose their angle so let's say they're hitting overheads there especially if you can hit it slightly deep their angle goes goes away even more hmm. you think about it as like a triangle so they're hitting overheads from that middle t spot and you want to try to get it deeper than the t by the way mid-court if possible sometimes you can't but still that's the best place to go so they hit overheads their angle becomes something that your partner can easily get to over here Plus, if they're a righty, this partner that's on the even side should be covering that shot out wide. You're covering middle. Their last shot that they're going to go for is going to be out wide to the odd side if they're righty mm -hmm. because that's the hardest angle to hit, and they're not going to be able to get a great angle on it. It's going to be a ball that you can stretch out and still get. So if you can consistently keep it there until you get a little bit of a slower ball and then come into the net, you're going to hit your drop again up the middle. Okay. Hopefully up the middle at the backhand of your opponent because it takes away their angles. Whereas if you hit your lob, let's say right down the line, this person's righty, whether they're righty or lefty, it doesn't matter. But let's say you hit it down the line, you're on the odd side, you hit it down the line to the even side, they're going to be hitting overheads and they can either hit a giant angle all the way to their, to the opposite even side yeah, or they can hit up the middle. The only spot that they don't really have is up the line because someone's standing there. But even so, you could hit behind the person because they're trying to cover too much court. But typically, they you just gave them the winning angle of right there. They could hit almost the kitchen if you hit it short enough. They could hit yeah. the kitchen with their overhead. So I mean, basically, their angle doubles. In the middle, they yeah. only have one half of the court to angle to, whereas or or yeah. less. Yeah from that side they have basically the full court to pull that full angle across so excellent point uh pro yeah, tip of the random. day for everybody yeah that's a good yes. one
<laughs> Super random. Doesn't have anything to do with what we're talking about, but hopefully that tip helps. Yeah. So, so be a good partner. Uh, you know, call out balls for your partner, or say bounce it if you're not sure, or don't don't say anything at all if you're not sure. But also be the be the good partner on the opposite end that's willing to listen. Uh, unless you know for sure it's in and you got to coach your partner. But but in most cases, whoever you're playing with, they have a better angle of recognizing whether or not the, the ball is out. Yeah, I actually have the footage from that video. Maybe I'll post it and do a do a poll and see what people say. I don't have yeah. the best angle of it, but just see, hey, was this ball going out? That way you guys can at least see it. I'll put it on Picklehead. Perfect. Yeah, that'd be great. So, anyway, when it's high, let that ball fly. Do you have anything else for this week, Oz? No. I got nothing. I think that was good. I right, we good appreciate value. we appreciate everybody. Uh, thanks for tuning in, whether you're on YouTube or Spotify or Apple. We appreciate all the listens. We're we're growing every week. So thank you for being here for us. Go ahead and follow us on social media. We're at Picklehead Pod especially on Instagram. We post there daily, uh, and more often than not, it's twice a day uh, just to help you improve your game. So anyways, thanks for sticking around. If it's high, let it fly. Later, Pickleheads. Later. Later.